resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Soul in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live in the I'll be glad. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal Free from every imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be. Lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed, never sad. There'll be no more sorrow. No, no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness in of my likeness. Ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Trump of God shall sound. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal grace. All bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With reading, no understand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in Him alone I find peace, joy, forgiveness. I'm blessed beyond measure more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. And why that matters for us today. But before we get to that study, a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Now get this, get this. Christian Ministries in Ukraine are urging believers throughout the country not to fear, saying their mission remains unchanged even as Russia's military continues its attack on their land. Mm, my oh my, folks, my oh my. Remember how many times God in His Word says, Don't be afraid. 
Kyiv Theological Seminary located in the Ukrainian capital wrote on this Facebook page. Ukraine, believe it or not, is one of the most Christian nations in Europe with 78% of the population identifying with the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, 10% with the Roman Catholic Church, and 2% calling themselves evangelical. Russia, of course, has invaded Ukraine, a sovereign nation on its border, Thursday morning. Both countries formerly were part of the Soviet Union, which dissolved in 1991. Ukraine subsequently claimed its independence. In Kyiv, where citizens flee into the subways during bomb raids, the Kyiv Theological Seminary has encouraged its students and staff help their neighbors pack and prepare the groceries that they need, collect the necessary things to go to the shelter at the right time. Let not fear control us. Let us trust in the name of the Lord and don't panic. The seminary's post included the text in Isaiah 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Mm, folks, what a devastating time this is for our Christian friends in Ukraine. New Life Christian Radio, located in the southern coastal city of Odessa, which broadcasts Christian radio across Ukraine and to Russia, is available on FM frequency as well as satellite and internet, and it continues to broadcast the message of Christ and his gospel, knowing that both people of Russia and Ukraine need to know about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and who it is that is in total control of the affairs of this world. There you go, folks. There you go. Ukrainian Christians urge world to pray. It's our weapon in times of war. Folks, get your church family together like we had the privilege of doing not a couple of nights ago. Here in Norman, Oklahoma, our church family came together and prayed for Russia, for their president, for Ukraine, and for all those that are suffering at this time and all those who are part of this moving war uh, vessel that is spreading through that country. Folks, everybody needs prayers. Let's keep them in our thoughts. Well, get this. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to take up a major religious liberty case involving the intersection of creative professionals, anti-discrimination laws, and same-sex marriage. The issue involves a Colorado law that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation in public accommodations. Lori Smith, a Christian web designer and the owner of 301 Creative, sued the state in 2016, asserting the law prohibits her from using her gifts to celebrate and promote God's design for marriage as an institution between one man and one woman. Under the law of Colorado, Smith must design websites promoting same-sex weddings 
if she designs weddings, promoting weddings between one man and one woman. The U.S. Tenth Circuit Court of Appeal sided um, with the state with a 2-1 decision ruling Smith must create websites for same-sex weddings under the law. She has appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. And here it comes, folks. Here it comes. The case could impact a wide range of creative professionals, Christians, cake designers, and photographers. Supreme Court, folks, to decide specifically the question, can states force Christian businesses to promote same-sex weddings? Mm. What a test that's going to be, folks. What a test that's going to be. Well, get this. Get this. Hold on. According to a new survey by LifeWay Research, a majority of Americans believe it's very important to know for certain if they will go to heaven when they die. Get that, friend. Get that. LifeWay Research, which conducted the Evangelism Explosion Study of Americans' Openness to Talking About Faith, from December the 8th through the 17th, found that 55% of Americans said it was important to be sure that they will go to heaven and have eternal life. The study also found that African Americans, 49%, are more certain that they will go to heaven than white Americans and Hispanics. About 63% of all Americans who hold to Christian beliefs asserted that they will be with God in heaven, while 29% of those lacking Christian beliefs believe the same thing. Life research also found that women. 44%, were more likely than males, 30%, to select, I am sure I will be with God in heaven. Get that. Meanwhile, older Americans were more certain than younger Americans about being with God in the afterlife. <laughs> Get that, folks. Get that. When asked how they would respond if God asked them why they should enter heaven, Women, 47%, and adults ages 50 to 64, 46%, were more likely to say because they trusted in Jesus Christ alone, more so than males and adults between the ages of 18 and 34, or 35 through 49. Folks, <laughs> now, perhaps more than ever, people are open to conversations about faith Yet few Christians actually take the opportunity to engage in personal evangelism. Folks, we need to engage. That's what this, this whole thing here, this research survey shows us. We have the opportunity to be engaged. Let's do so. Amen. Most Americans say it's important to be certain about whether they are going to heaven. Study shows. Mm. My, oh, my. My, oh, my. And that's our headline news.
for this broadcast. And now, folks, this day in church history. Jacob Hutter was defiant at the stake on this day in February 1536. Come closer, those of you who contradict me, he cried out. Let us test our faith in the fire. This fire will harm my soul as little as the fiery furnace harmed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, executioners in Tyrol, a region of Austria, had doused him with brandy and set him alight as a warning to anyone who dared to adopt Anabaptist teaching. From the government's perspective, the action was justified. The Peasants' War from 1524 to 1525, inspired in part by common people in acquiring ideas from newly accessible scriptures, alarmed European powers. Then when a group calling themselves Anabaptist seized Moonstar, Germany in 1534 and 1535, the revolt was suppressed after a lengthy siege and thereafter anyone who held Anabaptist views became a target of state terror. It did not matter to rulers that the majority of Anabaptists were quiet and hardworking people. Their principal tenant that only individuals who had reached the age of understanding and believed the gospel should be baptized was commonly held in the early church and accepted worldwide by many Christians today. However, in the Reformation era, the idea was met with fury by Catholics and Protestants alike. For centuries, the church had baptized infants. Those believers who insisted on adult immersion had themselves been baptized as infants. Therefore, their opponents named them Anabaptists, meaning Rebaptizers. Anabaptists such as Hutter also taught that oath taking and fighting in wars were wrong. They preached that anyone who did not reform his or her behavior was no true Christian, leading to accusations they were legalists. Hutter's group also believed Christians should hold all their goods in common. Sharing was essential because so many of the group's providers have been imprisoned or killed. As these ideas were antithetical to these most theologians and rulers of the day, persecution poured upon Anabaptists from every side. Hutter, a hat maker in Tyrol, had converted to Anabaptist teaching sometimes between 1525 and 1529. He quickly proved to be a very powerful evangelist, winning hundreds of new adherents despite the persecution they knew they would face. He had a knack for organization and managing the suffering victims. When the situation in Tyrol became impossible in 1529, he arranged for hundreds of his followers to escape to Morovia, which had more tolerance for religious differences. And he moved there himself in 1533. All too soon, persecution followed the Anabaptist to Morovia, Driven out in 1535, the inoffensive Christians had nowhere to go and found themselves hiding in forests or caves, huddling together in the open heath. 
And Hutter said plaintively, We cannot be prohibited, prohibited from the earth, for the earth is the Heavenly Father's. May he do with us what he will. He wrote Emperor Ferdinand's vice regent a letter of warning that God would avenge the hounding and murdering of innocent people. The Most High will lift his hand against you now and eternally. This we announce to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and shortly you will see that we have told you nothing but the truth of God. Hutter ventured back to Tyrol where he was captured along with his pregnant wife, tortured for weeks, whipped and immersed in freezing water to mock baptismal practices. Hutter died in fire, but his wife escaped. Recaptured a couple of years later in Italy, she too was put to death. Hans Amon, the man Jacob had left in charge of the Moravian congregation, said that Jacob gave a great sermon through his death, for God was with him. Amen, folks. What a what people had to endure for what they believed in. Mm. And that's this day. In church history. Folks, we have a little bit of fun with Name That Bible Character. Here's your clue. Here's your clue. Jesus stayed with me when he was passing through Jericho. Who am I? Here's your clue one more time. Jesus stayed with me when he was passing through Jericho. Who am I? We'll reveal the final answer to this tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, it's time for our study segment. So get you a hot cup of tea or hot cup of coffee, drag up a chair, sit on your sofa, wherever it is, and grab your Bible and let's study the fantastic and powerful Word of God. You know, I've been following along in my reading program and come across the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. What a powerful um, time that was that God instituted uh, this particular lasting, he says, atonement. An atonement to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. That's in verse 34 of Leviticus chapter 16. So we're going to talk a little bit about this and why it matters today. Starting in Leviticus chapter 16 in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. And this goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 10 when Nadab and Abihu took their censers and put fire in them and added incense and they offered an un authorized fire before the Lord contrary to his man and says the Lord consumed them and they died before the Lord and that's what he's talking about here in verse 2 of Leviticus 16 the Lord said to Moses tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses 
into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die because I appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. And now we're going to drop down to verse 5. In verse 5 he says this, From the Israelite community he is to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Let's uh, continue reading in verse 15 of this same chapter. And he shall then slaughter the goat of the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. In this way he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites when whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same for the tent of the meeting, which is among them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one is to be in the tent of the meeting from the time Aaron goes in to make atonement in the most holy place until he comes out, having made atonement for himself, his household, and the whole community of Israel. In verse 18 it says, Then he shall come out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and sprinkle it on all the horns on the altar. He shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and to consecrate it from the uncleanness of the Israelites. Verse 20, When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of the meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place. The man shall release it in the desert. So here you have this day of atonement. He's bringing in these two goats. One goat is to be sacrificed for the sins of all the people, and the other's goat is to be led into the wilderness as a release all their sins to a solitary place the man shall release it in the desert what an incredible sight that must have been what an incredible time friend that must have been again in verse 34 it reminds us that this is to be done once a year and that time alone and you couldn't do it any time, and no one could go in the most holy of holies other than the high priest. Now, why does this matter? What is, what is the purpose of this in the Old Testament? Why should it matter to you and to me, friend? Well, Hebrews chapter 9 explains why. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 1. 
Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary, which is what we just read in Leviticus chapter 16. A tabernacle was set up, and its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Okay, in verse 6, When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministries, which we just got through read Moses' instructions to Aaron to do just exactly that. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was shown by this, that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. Verse 9, This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Amazing, folks. Verse 11, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, that is, not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. Verse 12, Hebrews chapter 9, He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. That's why this Day of Atonement matters. This is Christ as the real and true high priest stepping in with his own blood and obtaining eternal redemption. Verse 13. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living and true God. Amen, folks. Can I get an amen and glory? Hallelujah on that one. For this reason, in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 9, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Amen, folks. What a powerful, powerful and beautiful truth that we're beginning revealed right here. Verse 26, and Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
That's why this matters. Christ came as a one-time sacrifice. The true high priest to step in the veil. Cleansed all humanity of their sins. Past, present, future. And you and I are privileged and honored to be given that honor of becoming high priest ourselves. Kings and priests. And now we too can come boldly to the most holy of holies, which is stunning and fantastic news. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. What's the reference there, folks? That curtain, if you remember, when he died on the cross, that curtain was ripped and torn in two, symbolizing this beautiful truth as Christ was died and sacrificed on the cruel cross of Calvary. Verse 20 says, By a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, since we have great high priests over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. You, friend, me, all those who have called upon the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and become a followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are privileged and honored to be able to step in the most holy of holies, the most holy place through the blood of Jesus to come and to converse with our God, our Father, with all of our needs and petitions. And just to converse, to share with them our hurts and our pains and our thankfulness and give Him all the honor. We had a privilege of coming boldly before the throne of grace the other night, our church family did, and praying for the war that's going on right now in Ukraine. Folks, what a true honor it is. Amen? That Christ has become that one-time sacrifice. The Day of Atonement. Wow, folks. You just never know what you read in the Old Testament and what that reveals in the new why does it matter it matters because christ shed his blood christ was the one-time sacrifice christ is the high priest that now has opened up the torn those curtains that separated man and god now we can come boldly before the throne of grace amen what a privilege and what an honor and blessed be the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our study for this broadcast. Amen, folks. Can I get an amen? Woo what beautiful truths revealed to us in God's fantastic and powerful word. Now, folks, we have the conclusion to... Name that Bible character. Here was your clue. Here was your clue. Jesus stayed with me when he was passing through Jericho. 
Who am I? Well, it was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 and 5. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. He sought to see Jesus, who, who he was, could not for the press, because he was of little stature, and he ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. There you go, folks. Jesus stayed with me when he was passing through Jericho. Who am I? Zacchaeus. <laughs> I wonder what we would have done if Jesus said, hey, let me come into your house and let's sit down and have a nice chat. <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it, folks? Woo. There you go. And that's Name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of Jesus Christ and turn into Him in repentance, submitting to baptism, and you will have find a blessing that passes all understanding. Find a peace and joy and richness in Jesus Christ. My goal here is very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you what a privilege, what an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side during the show. May God bless you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Dangers, toils, and
Listening to my show, I pray will encourage you to grow this day.